Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk co-host. Is that with me, Chris? I'm here, James. Chris, you know I'm smiling with the guests we have, you know. When I of course. Have play the, the same position I play, you know, you know, that's a tougher position on the field, Chris. You know, you keep telling me. <laughs> <laughs> and you keep bragging about it, all the te- all of our guests, about it's the toughest position, believe me. Yeah, well, I want to introduce our guest to everybody, uh, former NFL player, J.J. Bird. How you doing, J.J.? I'm doing good, James. Great to be on the show. Glad to have you, you know. I mean, you got a lot to talk about. I'm going to blow you up on the phone afterwards when we get that to the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, J.J., normally I like to, uh, my guests to uh, start off just telling where they played and what they did. But before you do that, something interesting that I didn't want you to say yet because I wanted to say it that amazed me, and I'm just, just, I just want you to talk about it real quick and then tell you, you know, where, where you play, where you from, what teams are. But you was a walk-on. Mm-hmm. How hard is that to go? And I, just tell me, because you know all the schools had it, who they want, scholarships and all that. Tell me how hard that was and were you nervous and scared or what? Yeah, that was uh, that was probably one of my first real challenges in football because, you know, I was a, I was a you know top wide receiver in high school at Oregon and in a school in Oregon. And um, I ran track and I played football and I was all state. But... Every college looked at me and said, let's see, 5'9", 133, no, you can't play Division One." And, and I heard that, James, over and over. And it wasn't a desire to really play at the next level. It's just that I got tired of people telling me I couldn't do it. So I was like, okay, I'll show you. And I kind of backdoored them a little bit. I, I got a full ride and track to Oregon. And then the first year I just ran track. And then the second year I started watching the football practices because I wanted to see, like, okay, are these guys that much bigger and that much better? And after a few days, I knew right away I could play. It was just about me getting on the field. And finally I just kept going to practice and Coach Rich Brooks saw me out there and he one day walked up to me and said why are you out here (laughs) I said because I can play and he was like oh really so he's like come see me tomorrow let's chat about it so we talked and I convinced him to just give me a shot let me let me walk on and he was like okay come to fall camp and I'll never forget James and you know this being a wide out when I got to camp there was 15 wide receivers and I was like number 13 I was 13, and and most people would think, oh, forget this. They're not even going to give me a chance. But my mindset was different. I was like, how fast can I move up the depth chart? That was my attitude. And then I guess you could say the rest is history because two weeks later I was second string. So, Yeah. You know what's funny? I tell Chris to this day, I say, Chris, there were 17 receivers. And I was like, what you say, JJ? Number 15, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I was like you, you know what? I'm gonna move up. I, you know. Oh man, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I keep telling people that over. No, they don't believe that. Am I right, JJ? There's so many receivers out there. Everybody wants to be one, you know. Yeah, yeah, and too, James, and you know that when you're the walk-on, you don't get all the opportunities. You don't get all yep. the reps. They're going to give them to the scholarship and to the blue chippers yep. and all that. So you have to fight for your reps. And I remember James when I was doing scout team. I was working scout team like it was my game day. I thought this was the time that I can get on film, and it was a process, but we finally got there. Well, you really realize there's only 15 15 people out there because it's such a tough position to play, remember? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm not going to let you forget you said that one. (laughs) But you you know something, though, Jay, you said that, but... uh, just, I mean, I know I, I, I love this. You just don't even know it. Because I would love to do like a piece of a document what you're saying. How mm-hmm. how did you persevere and just, I mean, like you said, you want your scout team like your game day. What was this? Because the one guy who taught me, you know, when I got to Philly, you know, he always say, you know, you're not cocky. But I always mm-hmm. think you're the, you're the best. You're the better than everybody, you know. Were mm-hmm. you thinking that? Or were you, you know? I was thinking more like, 
I always knew I had the ability. I, I could run, I can jump. I didn't care how tall I was. I'll go hit whoever. You know, I was willing to do what it took. It was just a matter of getting the opportunity and convincing them I could play and continue to produce. And I think for me, I had a burning desire. I, wanted, I had a burning desire to be successful in anything that I did. And at this point, the burning desire was to shut up those coaches. I was just tired of them saying, you're too small, you shouldn't be here, why are you here? So that kind of drove me. It was like my motivation. And so every day at practice, I would remind myself, why am I here? To prove them wrong. Why am I here? And it was funny because when I made the team and I was second string, I was like, okay, I guess this is it. Let's play, play, run track and play football. And never, James, was I ever thinking about the NFL at that point. Well, we got to get into that because I don't know how you were thinking about it. You were sitting there, you did good. I mean, not even good, great. So, but... Uh, look, one more thing. I know Chris. I know Chris. I know she wants to say something, but um, you did say something, and I, and I just love it what you were saying. You know, just you, you said, because I tell everybody, you all say you got the talent, mm-hmm. but you had the heart. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got to have a heart. Am I right, JJ? Because everybody out there good and got some kind of talent. Am I right? You're, you're, you're gotta absolutely have the heart. right. You're absolutely right. And the guys who don't have the heart, you can tell. You can tell where their effort is, where their commitment is, and you got to go in there and crack that linebacker who's 240, 250, and, you know, you see the guys didn't want to do it. But I didn't care. I'm going to go hit him as hard as I can. I might not knock him out, but I'm going to go do my job. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just... No, no, it's fine. I was just, I, 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 at this point, I, I think, you know, JJ, go, go ahead and, and tell a little bit more about um, in the NFL, you know, where you played, um, how long you're in there for, and uh, kind of what happened to you. Yeah, so basically, um, my last year in, in, at the, uh, for the Ducks when I was running track, and that was really my focus, Chris. I was a 1988 Olympic trials qualifier in the long jump. So that, that was really what my passion was. I want to get to the Olympics, see if I can do that. And, and football was kind of just something I was doing. And I remember getting invited to the NFL Combine and asking my agent, what's the Combine? I didn't even know what it was, you know, and I'm thinking, like, do I have to go? And they said, well, you should go. So I go to NFL Combine, and I test and do all that, and I can, and I did really well, but I was still thinking Olympic trials, and to my surprise, I get drafted late. I'm like the uh, 216th pick in the eighth round by the Browns, you know, so they don't even have eight rounds anymore, but I'm a long shot. So I go to the three-day mini camp. Reluctantly, I didn't want to go. Head coach Marty Schottenheimer's like, you got to come. We drafted you. So I thought, let me go to this camp, come back, finish school, go to the Nationals, go to the trials. Third practice, I tear my ACL ligament, Mm -hmm. which was the first severe injury I ever had, really, in, in in sports. So that was kind of where the shift took place because I'm a, I'm a real positive person. So, yeah, I was disappointed, but positive people see the bright side of everything. I thought, well, track is over. Let's focus on the NFL. And that was kind of when my attention changed toward the NFL. But I got to tell you, that first year on injured reserve was right for me because I didn't really believe I could play. But that year, sitting on IR, working out, learning the system, watching everyone, that's when I realized that, okay, I could do this. And then it was kind of a little struggle because they cut me the next year. Then I got sent to the Chiefs, and then I flunked their physical. I got sent to the Detroit Lions. I flunked their physical. My knee had swelling in it. I went to the Green Bay Packers. I flunked their physical. I mean, I flunked like, it was like four physicals within five days, you know. And then I go back home to rehab. As soon as I get home, Dallas calls me. So Dallas signs me and puts me on their practice squad and promised me every week I'm going to play. Well, I didn't play the entire season. I just practiced, practiced. But I just took every day again, just like at Oregon, I'm going to use every day as game day. I'm going to get better and better and better. So when the season was over and they told me that I wasn't good enough, they let me go. No problem. I went home and worked out. The Chiefs called, and the rest was history. And then I spent five years with the Chiefs, and then I spent two years with the Falcons. But, you know, to be able to say I actually played nine years in the NFL and um, achieved something that was a dream that people have, I, was, I felt very honored, very privileged. But I was ready to make that transition, though, when it was over. I was ready to move on. Were you there with Schottenheimer? 
Yes, Schottenheimer. Yeah, he, he drafted me in Cleveland. So when he went to Kansas City, as I was looking at different teams, I thought Marty would probably give me the most fairest opportunity to, to make the team. Nice. You know what, JJ? I want to hit on two things. You know, well, one I want to tell you, I'm definitely going to be even call you after because there's a lot of kids in Chicago, you know, where I'm from, and your story is not like just something that you came upon and, you know, you worked at that, and, and you can tell them how if you work hard, you achieve it. Because I was the same thing with me. Everybody's like, you're not going to make it. So I did what you did to prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. So let me let me get let me hit, hit, let you hit on two things that you said. I want you to talk more about it. You know, only a certain amount of percent making it in the NFL, right? Two percent, mm-hmm. something like that. Somewhere like that. And then you were able to get right to the combine. You know how you gotta be. I mean, there's only so many players go to that. Am I right? Talk yeah. about that because you you sitting here and I'm a, I'm happy as hell. Because the way you persevere and what you did, and I mean, talk about that, you know, just being invited. Like you said, you were there, you were, but you had to be off the charts, Jason. <laughs> Well, I tell you, James, um, because I was so focused on track, and, I, and if you go look at my stats at Oregon, I didn't have a great college career. I mean, I had like 25 catches my junior year. I had 29 my senior year. I had one touchdown. So I wasn't thinking about the NFL. And when I got this letter, the agent said that, well, these guys consider you a mystery player. You got this great speed and you can catch the ball. They want to see you. And I was like, okay, what's the combine? So I go to the combine, and I remember when I got there, and I, I'm sitting there at the table, and there's Tim Brown, and there's Sterling Sharp, and there's Brian Blades, or, and you know, there's all these guys, Aaron Cox, who went in the first round. And I was sitting there thinking, like, what in the world am I doing here? You know, but when they said, go test, I can test. I can run fast. I can jump. I can catch the ball. That's stuff I can do. So I didn't realize, James, how big of a deal and how special that was until later on, you know, that I had the opportunity to be at the comet, which, which you already said, it's very rare to get the invitation. Yeah. Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a break and we'll come back. I know Chris got a question, but, man, I'm running all up. I'm loving this, Jackie. You don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is Jared Loving, the host of Loving That Sports Talk. Chris, I, I'm a, I don't even want to see him because I want to get back talking to our guest, JJ, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I know you got some questions, Chris, but, you know, let me, one more time. Um, JJ, what you've done and what, you know, I grew up in Chicago and, you know, there's great athletes, 
But if you don't have a heart and you have that motivation, I don't care how good you are, you're not going to become them. Am I right, JJ? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and and I'll even throw in there the um, the mental capacity to be able to understand an offense and to be able to make those decisions at the split of a second. And and I know you know James. How many great yeah. athletes did you see come in? Had the ability physically, but mentally they could not process information and execute on the field. JJ, Chris, I'm sorry. I tell everybody, I say, when you're watching that on TV. You don't hear that quarterback calling off all kind of numbers and comes. Am I right? And mm, that's like you true. Say, the mental, the thing quick. What you got to do? Read the defense. What route everybody else running? Am I right, JJ? So that, I tell that is everybody, right. everybody in there is physically can play. It's the mm-hmm. mental. You know, so you're right. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. God, Chris. No, you're you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, I, I, before we go, I ask a question though, JJ. I want to touch upon, you know, what one thing that that struck me when I was uh, l- 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 was was doing some research on you was you have eight children. You know, three <laughs> biological and then five nieces and nephews that you and your wife have adopted. That's pretty amazing for someone to do in this day and age. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It was it was one of those moments where we were put in a situation unexpectedly um, where I was checking on my nieces and nephews in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and found out that they were going to be put in, you know, separate foster homes, all five of them. And, you know, I just, you know, you do what you got to do to take care of your family, right? And after sure. speaking to my wife, we both felt, no, we we're taking all those kids. And so our family expanded immediately. And um, it's it's been a joy. It's been a challenge. It's not all easy, but I tell you, it's been worth it, I think, on both ends to be able to impact their lives. And I believe they've impacted our lives, too. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. You got to. Oh, I had a chance to sit down because I lived in Arizona, and I remember when um, uh, Kurt wanted, you know, and I had a chance mm-hmm. to sit down with him. And um, he said an amazing thing. He said when he came home, him and his wife, when they had dinner with all the kids, because you know he got a lot of kids, mm-hmm. he said they made sure at the table before dinner, each one of the kids, everybody had to talk about something they did positive that day. You know, <laughs> how was that with your kids? I mean, because it's hard. You know how it is with some of all the meetings and the traveling. You know, how hard was that? And you want to spend more time with them. How hard was that? Well, yeah, I think um, it wasn't as hard, James, because we made it a priority. We made family Hello? time, our family moments a priority because the way I was raised, you know, my family, yeah, we didn't sit down and have dinner. We didn't have dinner. Well, not that. that's not the case here. My wife and I, we made sure that we have dinner, my wife cooks, and we're 5 o'clock, 5.30, and the family is there. And, and those moments were so precious because we would go around the table, all eight, tell us about your day, you know, and, and that, that made such an impact, I think, on all of us because we're so busy out there. We got all our different things going on. But when you can take that time and really commit to your children, that's where the connection, that's where the bond really happens. Yeah, I, I was raised in a household like that. You know, there were, there was five five kids, and we had dinner. We always, you know, breakfast, lunch. You're kind of running around doing whatever, mm-hmm. but dinner, you always sat down at the dinner table, and everyone everyone had to be there. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't get to hear your answer. Um, I'm sorry, I got cut off. Oh, I what did you say? I didn't get to hear your answer. I got cut off. Sorry about that. Oh, no, no. I was just saying how we make it a priority that uh, dinner time was family time and so that all the kids would be there and we would take that opportunity to really just communicate and connect with the children. We'd go around the table one by one. Tell us about your day. Tell us something positive. And, and, I, and, and the many times we did that, it's like our kids, our children look forward to that. But I just felt there was a much closer, um, you know, more closeness to our family as we dedicated that time to them. Yeah. Right, and, and that's what kids need now. I was telling Chris when I grew up, it was Sunday, you know, because my mom worked and then my dad worked right. But Sunday we all go to church and we had the dinner table. Do that, you know. We mm-hmm. at least got that one day out of. But that's important to these kids to even help them to function at school and all that on the field. Am I right, JJ? You agree with that? Uh, absolutely, I, I totally agree. And it's interesting now because my kids are growing up. And they're all moving out, and a couple got married, and there's only two left now. So wow. we're sitting at the table. The other day, I'm like, man, where is everybody? It's like, so it's getting used to now. We're, we're getting close to being empty nesters, so. Sorry. 
Yeah. Might have to downsize. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> this is right, you're so. gonna be in trouble because you're gonna be in Chicago. We're gonna get you out here work, and, and you'll be out here speaking. Sounds good. Like, what you can do out here with just you'll be amazed. I'm telling you. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. I'm getting. Oh, oh you're good. Yeah. You're, you're, no, I, I'm, I'm glad you're happy about this because I, I knew, I knew that JJ was was very important to have him on. You know, not only for this bonding thing with the wide receiver thing, but just him as as a person. You know, it's, it's very important. So I'm with you. So all right, JJ. So okay, more players this preseason are taking a knee or sitting during the national anthem. You know, this has to do with the oppression of black people and people of color in the U.S. You know, Colin Kaepernick risked his career for this. Do you think the NFL franchises should or will meet to address the concerns of the players who are silently protesting? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's whoever thought that it was going to evolve to this to where he couldn't get a job. I'm I'm really surprised that he had, you know, that it would get to the point where he would be blackballed to the point where no one would hire him, you know. So right. that kind of really surprised me because it, it still is a game, it still is a business, and I know teams want to win, but uh, the owners have, have made a statement. So it's interesting to see now, though, that more and more players are starting to support or show some sign of support of what he's doing. So um, I'm anxious to see how this is going to finish out because I believe at some point he's going to get a job. I mean, he's, he's that good. At the end of the day, he's better than a lot of the quarterbacks that are backing up the starters. So I would think at some point he's going to be hired. You know, JJ, um, tell me if I'm wrong. Like I tell everybody, I really hate talking about this because it's two things. It's really just your opinion, but the thing about it is if you go to a job, a regular job, and you do something, that's that job. They can get rid of you or do whatever they want because you got to follow rules or they don't want that in a job place. Two, my thing is, when you do something, you got to know the consequence. Am I right? Right. That's true. You got to know what you're getting into and be ready for it. You know? <laughs> and, you know, and maybe he is getting black bottled done, but you had to know the consequence where it was going to be. Am I, am I right for saying that, Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's another perspective, and that's true. And, and I, I did an interview about two weeks ago, and I, I made that statement. I just said, you know, there's no disrespect to him and what he's doing and the cause and all that other stuff. But if you do decide to make such a stand in such a high-profile profession like that, there's going to be consequences. So you have to prepare yourself for that. You know, I honestly did not think, though, James, I didn't think he would get to the point where they won't bring him into the league. I didn't realize he would get that big, so I'd really hate to be in the position of the owners because the owners want to win, but the owners have to please their fans, too. So it's going to be interesting how this thing eventually gets worked out. Or are all the players going to take a stand and back them? I don't know. I guess time will tell. You know what? we got to take a break, but... I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you. Uh, I'm gonna say something to you, and then I'm gonna say what you think. We're gonna come right back. But this okay. is Chris, Dave, and JJ for our wide receiver connection. We'll be right back. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 
at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to Loving That Sports Talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, the host of Loving That Sports Talk, co host with Chris. You there? I'm right. I'm right here, James. Chris, you already know how I'm feeling, right? <laughs> I, I I know you're happy. Big old smile. Everything's going good. Just smile like I'm in the candy store with kids, you know? <laughs> you know what yeah. you want. Well, I guess from an NFL player, J.J. Burr, how you doing, J.J.? Hey, I'm doing good. It's great to be on. Yeah. Glad to have you on. Well, well, before we went to break, you had said something. I can't remember what it was, but uh, I want you to kind of touch a little bit more. What were we talking about, Chris? Well, it was about Colin Kaepernick, about uh, the pe- people taking a knee and, you know, kind of what's going on with the, oh. you know, how, how the, the owners are going to handle it. Right. I didn't think that either, J.J., but if you go into a workplace and this, these are the owners' job, basically, it's their place. Mm-hmm. They didn't like what they did, but there's other players that everybody keeps talking about, like Michael Vig, um, Star Wars. They did something. They didn't get blackballed. I don't know what Catherine did. I don't know if it was just that national anthem, but they don't like him at all, do they? <laughs> I, they? It seemed like they don't. I mean, like you just said, there are players that I feel that have done a lot worse. You know, when you think about all the different times you read about this player doing this and doing that and, and they get suspended or whatever, but they get reinstated or they get the opportunity to still play. So, um, So, again, it's like, how do you measure? How do you measure what's so bad that you shouldn't be in the league versus you know some of the other yeah. things the player did? I tell you one thing though, I'm glad I'm not in the league because I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to be a part of it. Because imagine James. I, I mean, I could. If you're on the team and your player does this or one of your team members is supporting this, it puts you in a tough decision because you got to make a decision. And I'm yeah. just glad I'm not in a locker room to have to really make a choice. And I can be a fan and watch and see how this plays out. Yeah. yeah. And, and like you said, you got to feed your family. And mm-hmm. you're like, wow, do I, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? The, 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 the issue that I, that I see what was wrong with all this was, you know, here all the fans are, are, are in uproar about, about it. But they're looking at it. In in a in a different way, they're looking mm-hmm. at it because he is is they're, they're assuming that he's against the flag, against you know all the people that have fought for the flag, has nothing to do with with what his reasoning for for taking a knee, and, mm-hmm. and because of all that, you know you have all these all these people that are are just so against him, and and hating just hating him. And and not trying to understand his thought process in in doing what he did. Yeah, yeah, and that's unfortunate. And I think that's the power of social media now. You know, we yeah. didn't have that when I was playing. Now, one one misinterpretation of a situation like that can be blasted and go viral. So, yeah, yeah Chris, I agree with you. You're right. Yeah. We didn't have that because I don't know why I was Jerome Brown. It was me, Jerome, Ron Moe, that was Seth Jordan. And they didn't have social media. So what we was doing is check, check. <laughs> we was in on Fox ESPN and first pick and all that every day, you know? Yeah, I know. I say one, one more thing that I keep forgetting about what I said and when Chris talking, I, I remember because she made me. But now the owners, and tell me if I'm wrong or right, and the team figure, okay, because when I was there in Philly, they got rid of Chris Carter, and I jumped in the spot. The team will figure... 
you know what? We could get rid of that because there's so many other athletes out there. We could pay less and do that job. Do you agree with that, Jason? Yeah, well, they do. They do that, as you know. There's a lot of good players, and when you know, you know, when they go into camp, and there's 80 guys, 90 guys coming in. Most of those guys can play on an NFL roster, but it's some political reason or various reasons why don't they don't stay on that active roster. So yeah, there's always that next man up. So um, you know, there's never a difficulty for them to fill a spot. I just. When, when I look at the quarterbacks, and I think some of the guys on ESPN keep making this point, which you, you can't argue against, because when you look at the quarterbacks that are in the league, you look at the backups, you look at some that have third string, I mean, he's probably a lot better than a high number of those quarterbacks, you know. So that's why I'm just, I'm really surprised that the opinions are so strong to where they, they don't want to win. And that's the one thing, Chris, I'll tell you. When we're in the league, the owners want to win. The coaches want to win. They want to do mm-hmm. whatever it takes to win. So they put those guys in there that are going to help them win. So anyway, like I said, we'll see how it, how it ends up. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, you know, James, about people wanting to, to have other, you know, other players that are cheaper. But there, there, was, there was something I read um, that basically says that teams with a long-term solution – you know, behind center, meaning the quarterback, tend to prosper. You know, they, they say that uh, this, this, this is going to be the first year that eight teams have the same starting quarterback with, with at least 10 straight seasons under their belt. Wow. And, and those players, those, those quarterbacks, have been extremely consistent, and the teams have, have, have risen because of it. So, you know, replacing them isn't always the best thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, Chris, because it does take time for a quarterback to really grasp the system, you know, to really know the players and and know their tendencies and their nuances and all that stuff. And it's why I love it when rookies come in and they don't start them right away. You know, they allow them to maybe learn a season or two so they can really get comfortable with the system. But unfortunately, in this day and age in football, there's pressure to play those first-rounders right away. Right. I used to uh, hang out with like a lot of guys and just listen, JJ. Uh-huh. I remember hearing Randall say, "It takes you five years to become an NFL quarterback, the actual quarterback." Yeah, you know, he say, you know, just learning and all like that. He say, "My few guys might look up like Ben came in and he looked up that year because he had that team." But if you think about, it, look at Troy Aikman. He was one in nineteen, wasn't he? Yep, mm-hmm. I was there. I was there in '89. We were one, one and we were one and sixteen. And you know what's crazy, James? When I was on that team, I was like, "This guy is not very good. <laughs> like, he's not going to be that good." And I leave, and they win three Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. So that was the issue. <laughs> yeah, it was me. <laughs> you're the you're the common denominator on that one. Exactly. <laughs> Funny. What he says just doesn't belong here. Not if I do play that game. <laughs> yeah, well, on, well, well, remember, remember James something you told me about when you when you tried out for the Eagles when you're out there running trying to run a, a they, they told you to go go ahead and run a run a a, a, a formation out there. What what, what did you do? I went out there, and, um, I, you know, because I kind of had a little inside look up because my coach for college, the first thing coach got the job at the Eagles, Al Roberts. You remember you ever heard of him? Remember that name, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he used to, you know, work on it. You make this team, you got to study. Study you play, blah, blah, So I'm like, okay, you know, get the time. So we was out there, and um, I, I remember this to this day. I tell everybody. I line up at the line. I had to, we was doing something, one-on-one, I think it was, or seven-on-scully or something. And I ran a post-corner, and Mike Quick looked at me. He said, come here, boy. <laughs> he said, you ain't going to make this team run any college routes. <laughs> 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 he said, go make I didn't understand what he was saying, you know. He's like, you know, he's... So, but I, I tell everybody that story, and then Mike Quick was just like my best, you know, helped me out, you know, as a veteran. But it was just funny, you know. I'm thinking, okay, I'm in college, and everybody, you know, he said, everybody out here can do that. Yeah. It's different to make this thing, you know? Yeah. 
That's true. I think I think all of us have a story like that. I have one similar when I was in Cleveland. When I go to my first training camp, and we were doing one-on-ones, and I remember going against Hanford Dixon, cornerback, all-pro. And, and James, the very first time I had a go on him, and I went up there and kind of shook him, he grabbed uh-huh. me by my pad and threw me out of bounds. <laughs> then, he, then he said, young man, this is the NFL. You better do better now. You won't be around here very long. And I was like, oh, you know, the stuff I worked in college was not working in the NFL. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. All right. So I watched Monday night's preseason game between the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns. And it appears both Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Marshall took hits, which could have caused major injuries. You know, I, I, and I, I know I've, we've discussed this before, and, and one thing I, I found out is um, Adrian Peterson, he, he has not played a preseason game since 2011. And it's because of, of ideas like this that he can get injured. So my question is, what's your opinion on playing your stars when it isn't necessary? Well, I, I do believe you have to play them at some point in the preseason because they need the timing. You cannot imitate uh, or create game speed in practice. So you've got to be able to do it at some point. Um, But I don't agree they need to play a long time. I remember when I played, you know, we barely played the first game. The second game we might play a series, and it was the third game where we would play a quarter and a half. And then the last game we might play one series. And that was always kind of a a good regimen for me to be ready on game day. So, um, And I think now, Chris, they, they play them less. They play the players less, but you, you need that game time speed preparation because you can't just, from a wide receiver standpoint, I'm not a running back, James will know, is that you cannot just practice all training camp and then show up the first game of the season and think the timing with the quarterback is going to be on point. You know, and, and your ability to beat those DBs in the game time speed, all of a sudden you're going to be up to par. You, just, you do need some reps, and you've got to take some time in those pre, preseason games to get prepared for day one. Al Saunders, who was my coach, when I became a starter, he said, J.J., your job is to be ready for opening day. It's not training camp. It's not preseason. We're going to play you sparingly so you have the timing so you're ready for day one. I never forgot that because when I was a rookie, I was running around there like a maniac, you know, trying to make the yeah. team. But later on, I realized that I was preparing for opening day. Yeah, buddy said that to me. That's why he said that because I was the same way, diving for stuff, almost getting out, diving every ball. He was like, "Hey, son, you gotta be ready for opening day. All oh, this, you're gonna get hurt before, you know." Because mm-hmm. my coach, Al Ralph, told him, "You gotta do something to make this team different, you know, to factors because everybody can make a one hand catch. Everybody can, you know." Mm-hmm. I was diving for stuff that was in the stand for popcorn. Right there, you, know? <laughs> and you sound like me when I was trying to make that TV KC. I was diving for everything. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I know what you mean by that. I know exactly. I'm telling you. <laughs> you guys have a question, Chris? I do. Um, so it looks like Matt, Matt Stafford. Uh, the Detroit Lions quarterback is next in line to get a major contract extension worth $25 million a year. Is he really worth it? Oh, my goodness. These quarterbacks are getting paid. Yes. I don't know. It's hard to say. It, what do we, it's based on what? You know, I mean, how do you gauge how much a quarterback is really worth? You know, I mean, Calvin um, Johnson's gone now. So I'm anxious to see how he continues to progress now that he doesn't have the number one receiver in the league. You know, so um, I don't know. I would have to like take everybody's salary, look at all the different salaries, and then kind of make that assessment of where a quarterback is worth. But 25 million—that's that's a lot of money to be paying a quarterback of, of his caliber, who's not your top top, but he's kind of in there in that next tier. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something I was looking at was the 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 tier of quarterbacks and they're yeah he's he's definitely not in the top tier at all mm-hmm. and for them wanting to pay him or him wanting to be paid that much I'm like how one thing no, he hasn't done is he hasn't got him to a championship you know no. he hasn't got to and that's usually an indicator that a quarterback is deserving of that type of you know that type of salary 
you know, and not a lot of quarterbacks are able to do that. At least haven't done it yet. So, Jay, yeah. I want to get your opinion on something since y'all talking about that. What What you think the problem is with Kirk Cousins? Why they won't pay him? I mean, you got a quarterback there that you know you really ain't got nobody to be really starters out there, and you got one that is a starter, but you don't want to pay him. You know, is this almost kind of like a capping off thing where the owners don't like him or something? You think? That's a good question, and here here's my opinion, and you you know this, because when I see a situation like that, I'm trying to figure out, now, why haven't they just locked him in for years and years? And the, and the most logical response I can think of, there's something they know we don't know, because right. you know how it is, James, when you are in practice and you see the practice film and you see the game film, we see all the mistakes that people make. We're yep. watching him on Sunday. We don't know. We don't get to see the whole game film. We only see some of the highlights and all that. So I'm wondering, what exactly is he doing or what limitation is he showing in those films that's preventing them from locking him up with a long-term contract? And as you know, you don't know unless you're in those films watching. Yeah. One of the questions I would always get was like, why is so-and-so not playing? He was a star. He was a star. And I'm like, you got to see him in practice. I see the film. Yeah. I see the mistakes yeah. he makes every single day. Yeah. I, 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 I know this guy. We were best friends, so I can say his name because we talked on the still and laugh. But I was there with um, Don McPherson. Remember him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, he's so good. Why is he playing? You know, we had Matt Cavanaugh, the second quarterback, but... It was practice. You <laughs> feel, you know? You could yep. see why he was. You know what I'm saying? And he said it to himself, you know? When uh, they ended up getting rid of me, what do you say? You know, but, and man, I'm talking about, he's a commentator for uh, college football now. Uh-huh. And, uh, he said, he said, love things called that. He said, the film. You could see what I was doing, and I, you know? Yeah. Yeah, what, what they used to say, the eye in the sky, don't lie. Yep. Films tell yep. it all. <clears throat> And 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 make corrections or adjustments, and that's that's their best way of doing it. Yeah, and it was always amazing, though, Chris, because you'd see like when you're in these meetings and you would be paying attention to what the coaches are saying to the linemen, you know, and they're stepping wrong or to the running back, and they miss this. I mean, it's just it was very eye-opening that you have little room for error. You better know your stuff, and you better be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there because one mistake, you lose your job, or that next guy is ready to take your job. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That's true. I was, I was so scared that they'd make a mistake and when we was in camp. You know, like, mm-hmm. they make no mistake. Cause like you say, you make that one mistake, so somebody didn't take your job, you know? Yep, yep. Happily, I had a root- happily take I- your job. I had a routine. <laughs> I had a routine where, like, I was, you know, I was always a student of the game, and I remember I would take the audibles and I would practice with my wife all the time. My wife, like, knew all our signals. You know, she's giving me signals, but that was just part of my preparation because, like you said earlier, James, when you break the huddle and you know the play, you're sitting mm-hmm. and thinking about what your route is, and you're looking at the defense. You're trying to see if it's a blitz adjustment. Then all of a sudden, Montana changes the play. So you got to yeah. throw all that out, and you got to process what he just gave you, and at the split second, you got to know exactly what to do. You don't have time to think. So I would just spend hours and hours in my preparation so that when I went into the game, I was always able to make those decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny, though, what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that quarterback, before we got in that center, he looking up and looking over, and he calling out. Mm-hmm. When he gets hands down there, that's a split second. you got to know what you're doing, right? Yeah, you you got to see what he sees, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I try to tell people, what y'all watching on TV is a whole lot different being on that field in that locker room. Absolutely. Well, especially nowadays with all the, the tablets and everything that they have to use, it's it's a different world than, than yeah. when both you guys played. I know. The preparation is even more fine detail because, like, Chris, like, if I wanted to see all the third down and long plays, they would give us these VHS tapes of all the third down <laughs> and long if I'm playing the Falcons. Now they got it on iPads, you know. Yeah. Hey, I want to see what they usually do in second down and two. You know, they got it all on their iPads, and you can just – so the preparation is even more, more thorough. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Wow. So, um, one thing that that I was I was looking into was, you know, now that we're in the preseason, um, everything's kind of changed. You know, back I know when when James was 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 playing, they had two a days and they had pad you know practice pads with their practice and so forth. But with the collective bargaining agreement, all that kind of you know went out the window. Well, we had um, three a days. The third Three one was Oh, boy, that's even worse. Right, yep, third that's time. true. I got a little bit of that. Three days in Cleveland, yep. Yeah. But it Go appears ahead. that now that New England, you know, that what they do is they, they have two joint practice sessions. Um, basically, that the, the, the they do so they can go against another team, and that helps them, you know, to prepare. You know, and, and I can understand that. So, you know, that, that's something that they that, that teams could implement in the preseason is is doing that. You know, and and not just you know running up against each other. And then another thing that they could, you know, that they they've talked about doing is doing like a live controlled scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, between two clubs, instead of instead of a preseason game, I know, you know, a lot of the owners would be like, "Oh no, an uproar because they'll lose money, and you know, they need that 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 money in order to 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 buy their wife another diamond or whatever." But, mm-hmm. um, but the other thing that they can do is, you know, d- d- go ahead and do that, but but lower down the preseason um, games to just two. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I I think by doing all these you know these three things together is going to reduce injuries. Um, is also going to you know help the teams prepare more. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know of course they'll have their own practices, but these are just just some situations that they can do and be better prepared for that very first week because mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams the first four games or so of the season they're just they're just barely getting it figured out. Right, right. You know, what's interesting about what you shared too, Chris, is that when I played, we did do um, practice sessions against teams. I remember we were up in River Falls, and we would go against the Saints, and we would go against the, the Minnesota Vikings, and, and that was some excellent you know, preparation and practice and all that. And then um, we would have live controlled scrimmages, and those were very effective. The only thing, like James already alluded to, is back then we were doing doubles, full pads, bang, bang, bang. You know, so I agree that I don't think a player needs five, four weeks of camp to be ready for the you know game day because now with the off season program, you're doing so many you know what do they call the PTAs or what is the PTOs, and then you're doing camp. If they could get it down to two games. Hey, I, I would be all for that because a player does not need four or five weeks to get ready for opening opening day. Right. Yes, right. Hey, yes, hey, let's be clear. I know a lot of people don't want to say this, but uh, what Chris was try, trying to say, injuries, it don't matter. You go, If you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. I mean, look at Tannehill just yep. running on the sideline, you know. So yep. by the games and nothing like that, it don't really matter because you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. Am I right, JJ? Correct. Exactly. Correct. Yep. My knee injury happened when I was running down the field. I'm not, I'm, you know, in minicamp. You know, my other one. So, yeah, you're going to get hurt no matter what. So it's more about balancing the preparation you need from a mental standpoint and from a physical standpoint. Because, as you know, James, that first week in pads, you are sore. You're getting hit. You're sore because you haven't done any contact. You know, so you need a couple weeks, but... Do you need four or five weeks? I don't think so. Two weeks, I think would be great. Yeah, well. Yeah, you're right. That's my true. first week, I was up there. I went to my room and just, <laughs> I was so sore. I was like crying, like, man, I never hurt like this. But I knew I had to get up that next morning, you know, and do it again. But you're right, there, you are sore. You know, and, 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 and something like pads, because... For me, when I put my pads on and my helmet, that added 20 pounds to my weight. So I had to get used to carrying an extra 20 pounds. So there is, uh, there is an adjustment when you put those on, even with no contact. Yeah. Wow. He's bringing me back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. You are so right, man. I remember it. 
<laughs> and then I, I was like, man, uh, my coach told me, you know, make the tee. I played, try playing, you know, other positions. So I was punt mm-hmm. return, kick return. So think about when I was second place, though, everybody done. That's true. That's true. (laughs) One of the things I learned, James, when I was when I made the team for uh, Kansas City, Al Saunders, he said, he goes, he said, the more you know, the more you'll be available. So I went in there and I memorized all four of the wide receiver positions, you know, X, H, Y, Z. And I tell you, that was one of my competitive advantages because, you know, when the young people come in, they're trying to learn one. I memorized all four. So when somebody got hurt, they could move me in there. And it, it made a difference in terms of getting me on the field more. Right. You know what? I was, I was at a point where I was like, you know, I know Mike Quick was there, you know. I know he had his spot. He ran in practice. He going there. He was the king there. But mm-hmm. I sat back and I was with, you know, you know Greg Garrity, mm-hmm. Ron Johnson, and uh, we had Greg there, Ron Johnson, Mike Quick. I was even sitting there talking with Keith Jackson. Hey, what do I do? I know I'm big enough, but maybe I got to step in when they all out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Funny. Okay, so I'm I'm going to ask one more question, and then then I'd like you to kind of give some some information on how people can can contact you. Absolutely. Um, so so it appears that uh, Leonard Fournette. If, I'm sorry, I always say his name wrong. Oh, Chris, Fournette. Chris. What? Oh, the music in my ear. So. Oh uh, uh, well, okay. Yeah. We better give him a JJ. Go ahead and tell people how they can contact you. Oh, jjburton.com. That's the best way to connect with me. I'm a speaker. I'm a health coach and love to connect with the fans. I'm all over social media under the name J.J. Burton. Absolutely. J.J., I'm going to get a hold of you. Probably this week and we'll talk more because I'd like to okay. get you out. And I'll definitely do some other things that we do. You know, I do my thing. And, man, it's amazing how you just meet people and then write them. You know, it's like yeah. So Yeah. Now, I appreciate you guys having me on. Like I said earlier, I love what you guys are doing and allow people to share stories and to touch other people's lives. So keep up the good work. Absolutely. Thanks again, Thank you, Chris. All right, JJ. You have a good week. And as James said, call in anytime. We'd love to have you. Excellent. Enjoy the season. All right. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. 